guess what we're going to be learning about for about the next 30, 40 days? We're going to be studying the blood. So if you look with me, Romans 3.21 says, But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned, and all fall short of the glory of God. But we've been justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier. He's my justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Well, God is not comfortable talking to you on any other basis than on the basis of the blood. God wants to talk with you on the fact that His blood made you worthy. His blood made you acceptable to Him. It's not because you have to live more maybe across the street. It's not because you gave a bum $3 instead of just your spare change. It's not because you made a lot of money. It's not because of any other thing. It's not because you cried or you bawled and squalled or you had a long prayer time this week. And it's not because you had a bad week or you had a lot of trouble or you had a stinky past. God is not hindered by a stinky past. God is not hindered by a lousy week. God is not hindered by financial problems. God is not hindered by the fact that you're struggling with some sin. God is not hindered by that. Your faith gets hindered by that, but God is not hindered by that. And so what I want to do is I want to lift up your faith today, and I want to talk to you about what the blood is doing for you so that you can receive from heaven. Well, you're going to meet God on the basis of the blood. You're going to meet with Him because of that. You're going to come into His presence because of the blood, and you cannot present to Him any other credential. Your good stuff, your bad stuff. Your good day, your bad day, does not matter to God. What matters to God is what God set forth as a propitiation. You come to God on the basis of the blood. God says in His Word where He wants to meet you. God has a specific place where He wants to meet you. In Exodus 25, 22, And there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy. Where does God want to meet you? At the mercy seat. He wants to meet you at the mercy seat. He doesn't want to meet you in the place of judgment. He doesn't want to meet you on your terms. He wants to meet you in His favorite place, the mercy seat. The holiest of holies. The center of the holiest of holies. The holiest place in heaven. The holiest place on earth. was called the holy of holies. At the center of the holiest of holies was one thing. It's called the mercy seat. It wasn't called the judgment seat. It wasn't called anything else. It's called the mercy seat. There God wants to meet with you. My father was a great man. And, uh, he, but he was an airline pilot. And when he was not flying 747s or L-1011s for Pan Am, he was at San Carlos Airport. He was flying little planes. And he had a little, he had a little biplane, a little pitch uh, biplane. And he would go up and do lumps of oxens, rolls and immelmans and hammerhead stalls and all kinds of stuff. And, and he got a two-place uh, pitch so that uh, you could go for a ride with him. And uh, I went up for a ride with him, and, and he had to teach me about 
compressing your stomach so that all the blood would not rush out of your head or go to your head. And then he picked my brother up. And then he had to clean up the cockpit after he picked up my brother. <laughs> that was pretty much the case. But if you went for a ride with him, it was, it was quite a fun event. And I remember when he first turned the plane upside down, you know, you all strapped in. Now I wanted to grab something. <laughs> reaching for something I'm upside down. But you don't even come out of your seat. You're just pressed down into your seat. It was a lot of fun. Well, when I was in my teens, and it came time for my dad to give me the talk, the man-to-man talk, the father-son talk, the birds and the bees talk, my mom said, you know, Jim, you need to talk to him. You need to, you know, that boy, he needs to, he needs to talk. He was petrified. And so was I. Because I could tell that, that, that that's what was going on. It's like, you know, you can hear things. He wanted to go to the place where he was most comfortable. So he passed me up in the car, and he drove to the St. Charles Airport. <laughs> it was so cute. He drove me to the St. Charles Airport, because that was the place where he could talk. That was the place where he was most comfortable. And there, in that little beige Mustang, facing the runway, he was sweating. I was sweating. <laughs> It was a miserable experience, but <laughs> we went to the place where he was most comfortable. That was where he wanted to talk, and if you wanted to talk to my dad, if you wanted to get to know my dad, you had to talk airplane. You had to talk his language. You had to talk down his road of thinking and where he was coming from. He was a pilot, and that was 100% of what he was involved with. That was his universe. If you want to talk to God. If you want to get to, if you want to talk to God and get to know His heart, if you want to come into a place where He is most comfortable, it's not going to come on the basis of your works. It's not going to come. You're not going to come to God on the basis of your giving. You're not going to come to God on the basis of the fact that you were nice to somebody this week and they aren't very nice to be nice to, but you were nice to them and therefore you can. It's not about your works. It's not about your sin. Being just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. God has a place He wants to meet you. God has a place where He is most comfortable talking to His kids. And God wants to have a father to son or a father daughter talk. He has a place at the mercy seat, at the holiest of holies, and you can enter that place one way through the blood of Jesus Christ. No other way. You're not excluded by what you did, and you're not given faster access by what you did. You come in one way through the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood is amazing stuff. Faith in the blood produces righteousness. Faith in His blood produces a righteousness that exceeded the demands contained in the Old Covenant. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. I remember just as a kid and as a teenager flipping through my Bible, just looking for something to read and coming across that verse and going, ah, that's scary. Unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you ain't getting in. You're not going to heaven unless you're better than those guys. On my own, I'm not better than those guys. Those guys were amazing. Jesus went beyond where those guys were. Jesus went beyond the scribes and the Pharisees. And Jesus took the standard as an Old Testament prophet. He ministered, and he said, You have heard it said, well, I say it this. You have heard it said here, well, I say it here. 
You've heard it said an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. Well, I say, you've heard go one mile. Well, I say go two miles. you heard if it says slap you on one cheek, you turn and give him the other cheek. Jesus took the standard and just put it way up there. Jesus took the law of Moses and lifted it up and made it even more difficult to fulfill the law because he was going to fulfill the law. Remember the prophet Elijah? Remember how he said, the one who answers by fire, he is God. And so all the prophets of Baal got out there and, and they put their sacrifice out there. And they cut themselves and they danced and Elijah just taunted them. Maybe Baal is out for lunch. Maybe he's at Starbucks. <laughs> Maybe he's caught in traffic. Well, where's your, where's your Baal? And they just went on, on, and on, and on. And he said, then watch this. Then he built his altar. Then he puts the wood out there. Then he digs a trench around his altar. And he said, fill the water pots with water. Pour them on the wood. Pour water all over my wood. I want you to pour, no, pour more water on my wood to the point where the ditch around the wood was filled with water. He poured so much water on the wood that it would be impossible for a man to light it. And the God who answers by fire was Hindu God. And God's fire fell on his and licked up the, it said it even burned up the stones. It even burned up the stones and the dust. It was just one man, one man standing for God. One man standing by the blood can change everything. One person. There was a there was a book written by an evangelist that I like a lot, and he said if we could just get enough people to pray, if we just some percentage of the population, if we just got that percentage of people all praying, maybe at the same time and in the same place, then the Bible is all about one. One man, Adam, spread sin to the whole human race. One man, Jesus, redeemed the whole human race. One man, Elijah, delivered the nation. One prophet, over and over and over again, changed the whole thing. David was one little teenager who comes out to the battlefield and changed everything, didn't he? One person. One person praying. Martin Luther King was one person. One person. It just takes one person to believe God to change a, a tremendous situation. Turn your company around. Turn your family around. Turn your situation around. One person believing God can change it all. Because you just need to have faith in the blood. Faith in what the blood did for you. And how you can enter the holiest of holies. You can meet God at the place where He wants to talk. Where He is most comfortable. The mercy seat. Faith produces the righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5, my favorite verse, for he has made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God made Jesus sin so that we could be made righteous. We were made righteous with his righteousness. You didn't earn it. You didn't do anything to deserve it. You were made righteous. Say, I'm made righteous. I have been made righteous. He was made sin with my sin. And I have been made righteous with His righteousness. I have His righteousness. Right now. Glory to God. Glory to God. You will never be more righteous 
when you get to heaven than you are right now. You will not become more righteous because it's, you've been made righteous by the blood. The blood does not get more effective after your death. It's needed now, isn't it? It's needed now while we're here on the earth. And it doesn't get somehow superpowered in heaven. It's superpowered here on the earth. Hebrews 9.12 Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Jesus said to Mary when he was risen from the dead, Handle me not, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. What was going on there? His perfect, righteous, sinless blood had to be placed on the true mercy seat in the true Holy of Holies. He had died on the cross. He had gone to heaven. He had set the, I mean, he had gone to hell and set the captives free. He had led captivity captive and now and, and preached to the righteous dead. And then he was about to be resurrected into heaven. He was about to go and pour out his blood on the true mercy seat. The Bible says that the altar and the tabernacle and the cherubim and all of the things that were arranged in Moses' altar were copies of the true things that are there in heaven. There were copies on the earth of the true things there in heaven. Everything that was on the earth in the holiest of holies and behind the veil was cleansed by blood. And without blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. But it seems like everything, everything was purified by the blood. The priest would purify the book. The priest would purify the altar. They would purify all the utensils. They would purify everything in the holiest of holies with blood. And this had to be done over and over and over again. That Jesus entered in once, being a perfect and complete and total sacrifice. Hebrews tells us it was not possible, it was not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin forever and completely, to do it completely. It was not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to make you perfect. But it is possible. And it was possible. And it has been accomplished that the perfect sacrifice has been made to perfect you forever, those who are being sanctified. To perfect those who, forever, those who are being sanctified. Meaning that in God's sight, right now, you're perfect. Wow! Man, in God's sight, right now, I'm perfect. Not by what I've done, but by what Jesus has done. Made me perfect. That I can stand, that I can stand before the very presence of God in His sight, perfect. That is so powerful. What can be denied you? Nothing. All things are possible to those who believe. Believe what? Believe that they can go before God without any sense of guilt, shame, or inferiority. Free from sin, as if sin had never existed. That's the definition of righteousness. Free from guilt. Free from shame, as if it had never existed. That's righteousness. That's what the blood has produced. And that's why God says, come boldly before the throne of grace. You can't come boldly when you're all full of sin consciousness. You have to be full of blood consciousness. You have to be more righteousness conscious than you are sin conscious. And that only comes by renewing your mind. Romans 12, 2, be ye transformed. By the renewing of your mind to what has already taken place on the cross. 
and taken place in your spirit when you got born again. You've got to renew this to what happened here. You've got to educate this as to what's going on here. My spirit has been justified. My spirit has been made new. All things have passed away. All things have become new. And I've got to keep teaching my mind what happened here. The more I do that, the more I live where I'm supposed to live. When I went to Texas when I was in college and lived there for a summer, I had an aunt and uncle who lived down there, and they received me up here. I was a 19-year-old teenager who had just lived the last five teenage years with my mom and dad. And if I walked in the door, they said, You're back. You forgot to do this. You forgot to do that. You forgot to do everything. And I had. And I was guilty as charged. And rah, rah, the fight would start. And then my whole, my parents basically fought me into college. I was trying so hard to get a union job. I was trying so hard to just get that four-barrel carburetor and triaxial speakers. I wanted so badly just to get an eight-pack deck in my hot rod. That's what I lived for. That's what I wanted. My parents were saying, no, you don't want that. You want a college education. Why do I want a college education? I want triaxial speakers in the back. I want triaxial speakers in the front. This is what I want. If I got a union job, I can do those things. And they're like, no, that's not what you want. (laughs) And we fought and fought and fought. But I went, so I'm in college, and I go down and I work a summer in Texas, and my aunt and uncle received me up here and treated me like a grown-up. And they didn't, they didn't know my past. All things have passed away. All things have become new. They received me up here. You in trouble? All right. I'm going to start acting like a grown-up then. I changed my life because I started to act like the way they saw me. And they saw me up here. How does God see you? God sees you through the blood of Jesus Christ. God sees you up here. God sees you raised up together with Him. Seated with Jesus in heavenly places. God sees you there. God sees you in Christ. And there is no other way that God sees you. He sees you in Christ. He doesn't see you in your sin. He doesn't see you in your mistakes. He doesn't see you in your guilt and your shame and your last week or last month or, or when I was 14. He doesn't see you there. He does not see you at 24. He does not see you at 34. He does not see you in any other place than in Christ. And you have to renew your mind according to what has already taken place at the cross and in your spirit. Isaiah 43 is a wonderful scripture. It says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions. Because you needed you, rotten scoundrel. No, it's not what he says. I'm the one who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. Isn't that wonderful? God is so holy and so righteous and so perfect and so pure that no man can see his face and live. Even Moses, who got into his very presence, came down from the mountain and there's a double veil over that. Wow! Whoa! You are just, wow! You're just glowing. It's just incredible. Moses got into that presence, and it was just so powerful that nobody else could even be around him. Put a veil over your face. Whoa! Because he had just gotten so close to the presence of God. Human beings can't stand it. And so God, who made us his children, says he blots out your transgressions for his own sake. If I scared my son, I'd change that. I'd do something so that I can have fellowship with you. God loves you. And God wants to have fellowship with you. And so if there's a barrier, God's going to make it a way to bridge that barrier. God's going to make something deal with any problem. And so he says, I blot out your transgressions for my own sake, because I love you. And I will not remember your sin. So put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. 
Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. And so, old Pentecostals learn to plead the blood. Hey, I plead the blood. I plead the blood over this situation. I plead the blood over that. I plead the blood over my car. I plead the blood over my job. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. Well, what, was, what happened with the blood everywhere? In, in the Old Covenant, they used blood everywhere. They were putting blood on the, on the altar. They were putting blood on the utensils. They were putting blood on the lavender. They were putting blood on the candlestick. They were putting blood here. They were putting blood there. They were putting blood on everything. Even they sprinkled the people with blood. Where have you been? I've been to church. Came out sprinkled with blood. Purified. Made holy. Blood everywhere. That's how they did it under the Old Covenant. How do things happen under the New Covenant? The New Covenant is by faith. The first action of faith. Believing and speaking. Believing and speaking. When you hook up your speaker to your believer, nothing is impossible. And it's going to happen one way or the other. When your speaker is hooked up to your believer, whatever you believe and you're speaking, it's going to happen. Positively or negatively, it works. It works. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. That book was written by a pastor. You hook up your speaker to your believer and you plead the blood. You may not understand all that goes on there. You don't have to. Bible says the sower goes out to sow, and he and he sows the he sows the seed. He waters the seed. The sun comes up, the sun goes down, and the plant comes up. And you don't know how it happens exactly. Maybe you took biology in college, but you don't understand all of it. You don't understand a hundred percent of it. Maybe you can manipulate a few genes here and there, and you can manipulate some things, but you don't understand the whole thing. You're still discovering things, and so you don't understand how all this works. You may not understand how the blood all works, but you can bleed it. You can plead the blood. I don't understand everything about my car. And yet still, you know, you open the hood on the late model car and all you just see is blue. You just, you don't, you can't see anything. Now you open the hood on a 65 Mustang and there's a distributor and there's the stuff and you can see things. But you open the hood now and wow, you don't understand how all that works. But you can turn the key, turn on the AC, and you can crank up your Christian music. And if you're Bridget, you keep turning it all the way around until you get it up to you. Think of Bridget driving through the parking lot here. You know, it's just awesome. It's awesome. I love that. I love that. You know? Wouldn't it be great if we could just blow out a gas station? You know how you like you ever put put gas in your car and the and the guy comes up with the rap music? And he's he's putting the gas in his car, but he's got to shake the whole gas station. Well, you know, wouldn't it be great if we had the praise music on and just blowing out the whole gas station with the praise? Forever God is faithful. Forever God. You need faith to fill up the tank now, don't you? Forever God is with us. Forever and ever. Glory to God. Well, we plead the blood. We plead the blood. You plead the blood over your finances. You plead the blood over your family. You plead the blood over your friends. You plead the blood over conflict. You plead the blood over home, health, family, relationships. You plead the blood over your future. You plead the blood over your health. You've got a situation, plead the blood over it. Protection is in the blood. Protection is in the blood. You don't have to understand all that's in there. But you can claim it. You can claim the blood of Jesus. Because it's the blood of Jesus that makes you righteous, that makes you able to stand in the presence of God. We ask anything according to His will. He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, 
And whatever we ask, we know that we have those intents, the prayers and petitions that we have asked for him. James says the effective, fervent prayer of a scoundrel, of a righteous person, avails much. I've been made righteous. I've been made righteous. The effective, fervent prayer of somebody who's been made righteous avails much. Amplified says dynamic in its working. Glory to God. You are the one who prays effective, powerful, dynamic prayer because you have been made righteous. When you claim the blood of Jesus, you're saying an awful lot. You're saying more than you realize. It's the blood of Jesus that makes you acceptable to God, makes your prayers work, and all things are possible to him who believes. Therefore, I say to you, whatsoever you ask and believe, it shall be done for you. Believing. 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 Believing that you're righteous. Believing that you're acceptable to God and that your prayers are heard in heaven. That's important. The devil's number one trick is when you go before God in prayer, is to start putting that condemnation on yourself. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. No condemnation to those who are in Christ. You've been placed in Christ at the cross. There is now no condemnation. Who is he who condemns? Not God. You leave the ministry of, of, of heaven when you get into the ministry of condemnation. You're not in there. It's God who justifies. God who justifies. God's saying, that's my kid. That's my kid right there. That's my kid right there. He's coming to me on the basis of the blood. I see him, and devil, you can't touch him. And I just, he just puts his hedge of protection around you, and he hears your prayers. He loves your prayer. He loves it when you pray. And he says, you're mine. You're mine. You're mine. I purchased you with my own blood. And he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? Amen? God's not, God's not grumpy about your prayer. God's not... Come on, a little bit more. No, that's not quite it. No, no, I, I, no, he says, I made that prayer work because of what I did through my son Jesus, because of the blood. All things are possible. All things are possible. You took communion today. You've been cleansed on the inside. You've been cleansed on the outside. We've been made righteous. Nothing is impossible. Use your faith right now. And reach, reach out and take hold of your future. Take hold of your future. Take hold of the things that you need to see come to pass. Hey! If nothing changes, nothing changes. In 10 more years, is it just going to be 10 more years? Or is it going to be completely different? 10 more years, is it just 10 more years of time? A little bit more gray? Or is it a completely different day? Nothing changes, nothing changes. Get a hold of your future right now in prayer. 
claim the blood of Jesus. I claim the blood of Jesus over everyone's future right here. People are going to dream dreams and walk them out. Your dreams are possible. Your dreams are possible. You're going to walk out those dreams. You're going to do them. The things that you're going to, things that you're dreaming about, put on paper today. The things that you put on paper, you start doing tomorrow. The things that you start doing tomorrow, you continue to do and continue to do. And God will make the difference. They walked into the promised land. They had no means of defeating giants. But with God's help, they defeated every giant. With God's help, they took over every city. With God's help, they subdued armies. With God's help, you're going to fulfill your dreams. You're not going to do them all in your own strength. But Monday, you're going to start. And Tuesday, you'll take another step. And Wednesday, you'll make another phone call. And, and Thursday, you'll do some Internet research. And Friday, you'll just keep walking them out. And the favor of God will take you to a place that you never dreamed possible. He does exceedingly, abundantly above all that you ever ask or think or imagine. That's God. That's how He works. So expect higher. Pray bigger. Expect more. And don't give up on those dreams. You had some dreams five years ago. They were good ones. God liked them. Get with it. Get back on it. You didn't. You haven't lost them. You haven't lost them. You may have. You may have taken a step back on faith. You may have stopped speaking them. God says, start speaking again. Hook up your speaker to your believer and believe in those dreams that I gave you and begin speaking about them. I have, I will, I am, and I'll do these things. And five more years won't be five more years of age, but there'll be the opportunity to look back and say, oh, look what the Lord has done. Look what he's done. Look what he's done. Because I dared to step out. I dared to take a step. I dared to walk forward. I dared to believe God. I dared to confess that I'm going to have what God wants me to have. All things are possible. All things are possible. All things are possible. Don't let time go by. Time is your ally when you're sowing. Time is your ally when you're speaking. Time is your ally when you're in faith. Time is the ally of the farmer. When you put the seed in the ground water, time's working for you. Without any seed in the ground, time is just time. And so you plant your seed with your words. Plant the seed of your vision, your ideas, on the paper and out your mouth. And say, I will, I will, I will, I'm going to, this is where it's going, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And walk it out. Take those steps of action. Time will be your friend. Each day, you'll see God step in and pick you up and take you to the next place and take you to the next place. God will begin working with you. When you say what He says and act as if the Bible is true.